Hello again, wrestling fans. It is Wednesday night, and we are actually live tonight. Uh, sometimes we're, uh, most of the time we're taped uh, on Tuesday and come to you on Wednesdays uh, here on YouTube. But tonight we are live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. And we are going to be running down 16 of the toughest in the business. Now, when we were talking about it a little while ago before we went live, there's a lot of people missing uh, considering some of these people that we're going to talk about are deathmatch fighters. We have former football players, NCAA wrestlers, uh, just wild Texans. We got Samoans. You never know who's going to come out on top. And depending on what we decide to base our logic on, it was inspired by Chris Maloney last week saying uh, about some people you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley, especially when Jonesy was saying about certain people as well when he was talking. So that's why we're doing toughest in the business. But before we can do that, we have to bring on our panel. And that has Chris Maloney right here in London, CWN's own. How are you tonight? I'm good. Two things. Number one, they don't call it taped anymore. They call it pre-recorded. This is in the 1980s with VCRs. No. <laughs> just got and, and, work, man. And secondly, I want to mention this just before we go. You're talking about uh, the the 16 people that we picked. Uh, Tracy Smothers was not one of them. Rest in peace to Tracy Smothers and to pass away today at the age of 58 years old. Uh, but he was considered one of those legit tough guys. And there is a story I might share during the intermission with regards to him and something that happened with Tommy Dreamer. But uh, I just want to say that first. Just uh, rest in peace to uh, Tracy, uh, Tracy Smothers, one of the uh, best ECW uh, saw. So, Yeah, very true. I saw that while I was at work. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about that tomorrow night on Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. But we're going to bring in Jonesy. And how are you tonight, Jonesy, in Niagara Falls? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, we're showing our age because he says smothers. And my, my brain goes to, oh, man, he did some great yo-yo tricks, too. But uh, not the same guy. Not Tommy Smothers. <laughs> Yeah, we're not talking the Smothers Brothers either, or, or yeah. uh, Waylon Smithers from The Simpsons. Or Smucker's Jam. So, I love yeah. Jam. We are, uh, as I said, talking about the toughest in the business. Uh, as per usual, we have a lovely video to show you what our breakdown is, and then Chris Maloney is going to uh, break it down with our uh, bracket that you can visually see. So, back in just a moment.
So as you saw, there is a crazy combination. You have martial artists, MMA guys, deathmatch, football players, Samoans. Chris Maloney, you want to break it down for us? Yeah, so like Sean was saying, 16 of the uh, toughest. Uh, but we started off with Brock Lesnar taking on Stan Hansen. We got Mildred Burke taking on Necro Butcher. Uh, Steve Blackman taking on Danny Hodge. We've got Jake Hager. He's actually in action tomorrow night for uh, Bellator. So it's uh, interesting he's in the tournament there. Uh, he is taking on Bubba Ray Dudley. We got Jun Kasai taking on Haku, otherwise known as Ming. Uh, Ken Shamrock taking on Minoru Suzuki. Uh, JBL taking on Dr. Death Steve Williams, as well as Ron Simmons, uh, otherwise known as Farouk, taking on Abdullah Kobayashi. And uh, I learned something about Adu Abdul yeah, Abdullah Kobayashi today. So we'll have to get into that when we get down to that bracket. Yeah, so uh, definitely a uh, hodgepodge of different tough guys. We missed out on some guys like even uh, New Jack, Sabu, uh, the Axel Rotten, uh, Harley Race, Lou Thez. There's so many uh, guys, uh, Mick Foley and Terry Funk. Uh, Bob Foley. What was that? Bob Holly. Yes, hardcore Bob Holly. Well, uh, mercy. To beat people up literally because they did not do what he wanted in the ring. Uh, so, yeah, there's so many people missing. But to narrow it down to 16, that's what we're doing tonight. And, uh, yeah, let's start off with matchup. Well, before we dive in, anything you guys uh, see uh, interesting coming out of it? How I was uh, kind of uh, excited to see Minoru Suzuki's name spelt right, so uh, that's uh, that's a good point right there. Yes, uh, when I first typed it in on my phone, it came out really messed up uh, in the spelling, thanks to spell check. But I did correct that in time for this evening's uh, tournament. Jonesy, anything uh, I'm, you see? I am excited that we're going to talk about some deathmatch wrestling. This is stuff that I've like been watching for many years. Uh, a friend of mine and me, we came across it probably, I don't know, 20 years ago. And this stuff is just, it's fantastic. Some of these guys, Jun Kasai, I mean, he, he is just an incredible wrestler. Not just a hardcore guy, but a guy who also can do it in the ring. And then Mildred Burke. Mildred Burke, man, I can't wait. Her taking on yeah, the butcher, uh, I think it's a good fight. Our only uh, female in the competition, and yeah, you also said some uh, deathmatch guys. But we are starting off in the first round, match number one with Brock Lesnar taking on Stan Hansen. Uh, so most people obviously know these two uh, a lot because of their uh, exposure in North America. Uh, Brock Lesnar. Born uh, July 12th, 1977, so he's uh, 43 years old. Living currently in uh, Saskatchewan in May uh, Maryfield, uh, but he competed in the NCAA uh, collegiate wrestling and then moved into WWE where he was working in OVW, uh, did a couple championships there, moved his way up to uh, the main roster, and within – a few months of being on the roster, I believe he came up the night after WrestleMania and was then uh, world champion beating the rock at SummerSlam. So a very quick uh, rise up the ranks there. Uh, can't say he lasted too long in that uh, area because 
he got a little burned out, I guess, and uh, definitely with his uh, farm sort of heritage uh, growing up, uh, being on the road just wasn't his thing. And he uh, eventually left trying to do football, uh, tried out for the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, didn't make it off their practice practice squad. Uh, so unfortunately, that was a failed attempt there to uh, transition into football, but then went into mixed martial arts and became a world champion there. Uh, defended, it, I think, three times before losing. He retired, went back to uh, wrestling eventually, and we've seen him be, I think, in total, uh, including the uh, titles that he had when he was first there, He's now an eight-time uh, world champion in WWE. So just uh, looking at some of the stuff that he did do, uh, championship accomplishments, NCAA junior division, he was All-American in 97 and 98, then uh, 99 and 2000 before being picked up by WWE. He was a division he heavyweight champion in the junior NCAA in 98, and then uh, in the regular division in 2000. He was Big Ten Conference champion in 99-2000 as well. He had North Dakota State uh, University Bison Tournament uh, champion in 97, 98, and 99, so three years in a row. Uh, UFC, he was one-time UFC heavyweight champion, uh, earned the submission of the night uh, in his fight against uh, Shane Carwin, was a uh, top newcomer uh, voted by Sports Illustrated in 2008. Wrestling uh, Observer Newsletter was box office draw 2008 to 2010. Over in professional wrestling world, he was the youngest uh, WWE champion. Uh, so he has Guinness Book of World Records at that point at uh, 25 uh, years old. Randy Orton obviously uh, knocked him off there. He was IWGP heavyweight champion. OVW South, uh, Southern Tag Team Champion, as I said, eight-time uh, WWE uh, Champion, uh, five of them WWE Championships, three uh, Universal titles. He's a former King of the Ring, Money in the Bank winner, Royal Rumble. You know, this guy has done a lot, and even though it's a lot of part-time, he's he's the guy who took out The Undertaker's uh, streak uh, could have gone to anybody else. He's taking on Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen is known for his stiff wrestling style, which he attributes to, unfortunately, poor eyesight. When he was coming at you with a lariat, you didn't know if you were going to get in the chest, the neck, your nose, because the guy couldn't see where he was going. He just saw a blob, and he extended his arm and ran, basically. And you had to hope that he was aiming in the right spot or you were worse for wear. Um, he lived his gimmick at that time, uh, being a loud, violent cowboy, uh, wanting to fight everybody. He dressed the part wearing the cowboy hat, leather uh, vest, carrying around the bull rope, chewing tobacco, everything. But at the same time, he got more popular working in Japan and was one of the top uh, American talents to ever work in uh, Japanese wrestling. And He's more revered there, I guess, than in the U.S. Uh, won multiple titles in uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling. And, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, seven different championships. And 
in North America, not as much. But yeah, he NWA International Heavyweight Champion one time, NWA International Tag Team uh, Champions with Ron Bass one, uh, NWA United National Championship one time. Uh, he competed uh, with a different uh, amount of tag team partners in the World's Strongest uh, Tag uh, Determination League in 83, 85, 88, 89, and even won it uh, with distinguished uh, awards uh, in 1990 and 91 with his teammate uh, Dan Spivey at that year. Um, Cauliflower Alley Club uh, member in 1996. AWA world champion one time, uh, yeah, just Mid-South, NWA Tri-State, just so many uh, things that he uh, been all over the world, and but as I said, mostly recognized in uh, Tokyo and Japan. Uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated had him a match of the year against Bruno Sammartino in 76, most hated wrestler in 76 due to that fight, ranked Number 24 in the PWI 500 singles in 91. I uh, missed uh, saying that uh, Brock Lesnar was number one PWI uh, 500 in 2003. Uh, so just so many things going on with these guys. Looking at it from the thought that I, would I want to meet any of them in a dark alley? I'd be running to be honest, uh, and knowing that a blind guy is trying to knock my head off just to get his payday, I'm going to go with Stan Hansen. Uh, I could be wrong on this one, but that's where you guys get to decide. So, Chris Maloney. I'll tell you this, Jones is tie-breaking this shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting because Stan Hansen, I tell you this, so as a wrestling fan, becoming a wrestling fan, Andre the Giant is the guy who drew me to wrestling when I was like basically three, four years old, whatever the case may be. Wasn't afraid of the guy, though. Stan Hansen was probably one of the most legitimate tough guys out there that scared the crap out of me every time I saw him in the ring. And like this was like a, a, a legit fear of me being like six, seven years old seeing this guy. And, and just the way he had uh, the character down, you know, I mean, you see him now. He just looks like a nice, humble guy from Texas. But you see him back in the day in the 80s, even the early 90s, and especially with the Japan run that he had. And I don't think you mentioned this, but his um, his teaming and his feud with Bruiser Brody and the way that Brody was as well. Brody's another one of those guys we could easily put in this tournament. Uh, but the fact is, when you put those two guys in the ring and you got Brody being the guy that basically motivated Mick Foley to be Cactus Jack, and you've got Stan Hansen, and they're like basically just going to the ring and rough shot the heck out of everybody, especially these Japanese guys that were like, you know, these these clean cut wrestlers. It was definitely a different era back then. But then you got Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, uh, UFC champion, WWE champion, NCAA champion. Uh, you know, he dealt with, uh, uh, I, I want to get this right as far as this term goes, uh, diverticulitis. Uh, diverticulitis. Yes, thank you. Anyways, Brock Lesnar was symbolic in the fact that he only had two tattoos on his body. He had the one that was up on his shoulder, and he, of course, he had that massive back tattoo. Well, now if you look at Brock Lesnar, he's got a sword, and the sword points up to his, his neck, so to speak. And that was a reminder of how close he was to death. 
So I'm going to read you this little blurb here, and this is from uh, Brock Lesnar's Death Clutch book. I have a hot threshold for pain, hired the most guys. I couldn't deal with it. It felt like I just, uh, had taken a shotgun blast to the stomach, and then someone poured in salt and Tabasco and stirred it all up in a nasty pitchfork. So that's what Brock Lesnar is describing when he was dealing with that, that diverticulitis. I, I, hopefully I pronounced that right. Um, Brock is as tough as they come legitimate. Um, and you want to know how tough this guy was? His bench press record, maximum 655 pounds. Matt, uh, Mark Henry, 585. Great Kali, 7'1", as big as he was, bench press record of 600 pounds. So Brock Lesnar is is what they say he is. He's a beast. And the fact is he conquered MMA. He conquered NCAA. He conquered the WWE on more than multiple occasions. He makes wrestling look easy. The fact is he apparently had been dealing with this uh, diverticulitis or whatever it was for a year in the UFC before that he even found out about it. Um, the fact is when he put him up against Stan Hansen, I think it'd be one of those huge fights. I think if you took the, the gimmicks away and basically left the promoters aside and put them in the ring together, I think it'd be like a, a uh, better, you know, better portion of raw underground in front of us. But the fact is, when it comes down to it, Brock Lesnar, toughness-wise, could compete with Stan Hansen. I think would knock Stan Hansen on his ass. So, like I said, Jones, you're the tiebreaker there. I got to go for uh, Brock Lesnar. Well, um, Stan the Man Hansen, uh, he did have poor eyesight, so that comes into play for me some because of like. Reach the reach is very similar. Uh, Stan has a little further reach than Brock does. Um, that eyesight is what kind of bugs me because, uh, I mean, that might make Stan Hansen a lot more um, easy to sucker in because he's going to be swinging at shadows. And I just, for me, Brock again is 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 a bloody monster and he is so good at what he does um with with hansen the thing that sticks out for him is the fact that he's from the older school days he uh, he's tough uh, my father used to talk big about him my father used to see him live and he used to wrestle in london many times at uh, the old london arena and did you know that he was the um uh the champion in WCW during its transition. So he was kind of in between it being sold and becoming WCW as uh, we got to know it. Um, I just, I go, I go, I'm going to quote Brock Lesnar here. I, I came from nothing. And at any moment you can go back to having nothing. I, I really like the guy. And I think in a, especially if it's an MMA style fight or in, in a back, back uh, uh hallway you know i brock i think is just going to destroy him because of that eyesight uh if it, if it was who could take the most pain maybe hansen would be in there but uh brock lesnar i gotta go with him on that one okay so two one victory brock lesnar moving on to round number two meeting the winner of our next uh one which is Mildred Burke and Necro Butcher, Chris Maloney. So originally when I saw this, I had to be a little bit biased. I was going to go Necro Butcher simply because of the fact I get to meet the guy and uh, buying him a beer. 
Uh, one of the nicest, most humble guys outside of the ring. You never picture him being a hardcore deathmatch wrestler. Um, when I got to meet him, he was coming into his place called Palace out here in London, Ontario. And I was just happened to go to the washroom. And I was like, that guy, oh, wait, that's Necro. You know what I mean? And then next thing you know, he's like, he got the glasses on. He's just humble talk, everything else. You put him in the ring, holy crap, he's the exact opposite. Um, but first, I'm going to talk about Mildred Burke. So born August 5th, 1915, uh, passed away in February of 1989. Um, Hades lasted from the mid thirties to the 1950s, uh, where she held the NWA world women's championship for almost 20 years. Uh, she started in 1935 wrestling men at carnivals. Uh, she was managed by her second husband, charter member of WB's hall of fame, legacy wing, professional wrestling hall of fame, wrestling observer newsletter hall of fame as well. Uh, age 15 began to work as a waitress. Uh, she lived in there for three or four years before all of a sudden marrying her boyfriend and all of a sudden professional wrestling took over. So that's from Wikipedia, which everybody loves. But then when you go into more details, um, about Mildred Burke and you start searching the inner internet about her, uh, some of the quotes were she a pioneer and intergender wrestler or intergender matches where legend has it. She faced over 200 men during her career, but only lost to one of them. Uh, these kind of matches are rare unless it's uh, they talk about Lucha Underground, which is gone and passed. But the fact is she inspired the likes of uh, Johnny Mae Young as well as June Byers, uh, you know, Fabulous Mula, Bertha Faye end up coming after her. Um, when you look at a girl like that, she was five foot two, 130 pounds. And basically she's beaten a lot of the guys who are considered the best of the best as far as wrestling goes. She was tough. And I don't know how much you would see in that picture in the beginning with uh, Sean had done the uh, the promo there, but she had biceps too. And this talking like a girl back where women were supposed to be soft and pretty hair and everything else, she was the exact opposite. I mean, she basically went into the ring and, uh, you know, like I said, she started with car carnivals and everything else. But the fact is that was for entertainment. But when she realized how tough she was, promoters wanted to book her, uh, you know, and, and soon enough, she was part of uh, Russian circuses, uh, Parisian, I think it's the nightclubs and American saloons as well. So she's all over the place. And this was back in the day where like 30s, 40s, 50s, where the internet wasn't around. So all of a sudden word traveled. Then you got a guy like Necro Butcher. So Necro Butcher, born 1973. Um, famous for his work with regards to Ring of Honor, Full Impact Pro, IWA Mid-South, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, Big Japan Pro Wrestling, Combat Zone Wrestling. So CZW. Uh, basically, he's one of those guys that gets in the ring and it doesn't matter uh, what's in the ring. He's going to use it. I mean, as far as everything goes, like uh, you know, barbed wire matches, exploding uh, death matches, so to speak. I don't think he was ever part of FMW, which is part of Japan. But the fact is, he could have easily done that as well. Um, is tough because of the fact he's got six kids. He's uh, basically, uh, you know, had been battled cancer and everything else. Uh, but the fact is, when it comes down to it, he is a beast. When you look at him, he is six foot two, 230 pounds. And when I get to meet him, he seems a lot bigger than that. The legacy, the legend of Necro Butcher would basically tower over anybody. I'd like to see him against uh, Stan Hansen, uh, you know, as far as the uh, the matchups went. But he ends up getting Mildred Burke, the only female in the, uh, the com competition itself. And it's again, when I looked at it, I would have chose Necro Butcher just based on biased. But looking at the fact she she basically competed against two other guys back in her generation, back in her era. My grandmother was born in 1933. I could never picture her doing anything. Like that, you know? So when it comes down to it, she lost to one guy. So 199 victories against men. And uh, like I said, Russia as well as uh, U.S. as well as um, uh, Paris, I believe, was the other country as well. So I got to say, yeah, Mildred Burke. I guess Mildred Burke for the win.
Jonesy. Uh, uh, I got to praise Mildred Burke. Uh, one of her students was Bertha Fay. Uh, I found that out. Um, yeah, she, uh, the, the early carnival days, that was when men from the audience, she would like challenge men from the audience, any, any comers. And she only lost once. Uh, the, she had to fight so many different. I mean, God, you're going to go into towns where there's a five, four, uh, sorry, a 300 pound guy who she's able to knock down. Um, she she is tough. Uh, Necro Butcher. If it wasn't Mildred Burke, I I I don't I think that Mildred Burke would be able to take him down, and maybe not make him tap, but definitely for a pin. Um, uh, it's too bad because Necro Butcher, he's, he's one of those guys that doesn't look like an athlete. He looks like an old, you know, old uncle or grandfather, but he's willing to pretty much do anything. And he is nice as heck. And when he puts those glasses on, he just looks like a smart, wise man. Um, but I, I'm going with Mildred Burke on this one. Um, and unless it's strictly boxing, uh, Mildred Burke is going to be able to because she took wrestling. She knows. I I, th I just think that she's going to take that one. Yeah, so uh, that's interesting. Uh, yes, we're saying about uh, Necro Butcher. He his his look is basically on the same line as uh, Brody Lee and. Uh, Brody, uh, yeah, so it's a sweep. Mildred Burke is getting three in a row for this three votes, and she's moving on to face Brock Lesnar in round two. <clears throat> it's gonna be interesting, uh, to say the least, which takes us to match number three, Jonesy. Steve Blackman, the Lethal Weapon, and Danny Hodge. Yep, uh, Blackman. Uh, he is. He was born in '63, uh, six foot two, so his reach is about seventy-four to seventy-seven. Um, uh, Two hundred forty-five pounds. He was trained by Tony uh, Altomir, whoever the hell that is. Uh, his debut was nineteen eighty-six, and he. Did his official retirement in 2007. Um, started uh, in Connecticut, training for uh, uh, training and working for Stu Hart. Uh, his first WWF appearance was in '88. Uh, he teamed with Outback Jack. Uh, he was being considered for a full-time contract when he got uh, malaria and dysentery at the same time uh, while wrestling in Africa in '89 and was bedridden for two years. So this guy. Before we really knew him in WWFE uh, in his 90s run, he he already has gone through a lot. Um, and I didn't, I knew about the dysentery and that, but I didn't know he was actually in WWE earlier. And I got him confused with another guy, which was, uh, um, so yeah, and, he, and in his recovery years, he trained in um, Taekwondo and Eskimo. Escrimira. I don't even know what, how the hell you say that. E-S-C-R-I-M-A. Some other type of fighting. 
Um, yeah, and uh, he opened a self-defense uh, school teaching, so he's still practicing. Uh, been a Bills bondman, uh, PWA, um, oh, sorry, PWA, PWI. He was uh, number 70 in 2001, uh, and he was a hardcore champion six times. And, of course, he was in the brawl for all. Uh, he won the decision, but he withdrew from the tournament due to injuries. So that kind of... You know that that that's a sign of weakness there um, uh, for him that he had to pull out of that. Uh, it's probably smart that he did, but as far as you know, on paper, that doesn't look good that he had to pull out of that. Uh, Danny Hodge, or sorry, is it Danny Hodge I'm going for? Danny Hodge. Yep. All right. So Danny Hodge, uh, he was born in '32. He's 88 years of age uh, now. Um, he was in the 56 Olympic Games, uh, silver men's freestyle wrestling, uh, and it he got fifth in 52. Uh, collegiate wrestler from U of Oklahoma. Uh, his record is 46 and 0 with 36 pins. Uh, only amateur wrestler on Sports Illustrated cover uh, at the time. Um, and it might still stand now, I don't know. Uh, the Dan Hodge Trophy. Um, is uh, the amateur wrestling equivalent of the Heisman Trophy. So the guy's got a trophy after him. Uh, trained by um, uh, Leroy McGurk and Ed Strangler-Lewis, uh, debuted in 59 as a pro wrestler um, with NWA. Uh, boxing, he won the 58 Chicago Golden Gloves, uh, heavyweight, and uh, his record there is 17-0 and 0 with 12 knockouts. Um, pro boxing, his uh, record was eight and two. Um, bizarre. Oh, in a NWA, uh, yeah. See, now this is this is where he's got the upper hand, folks, because um, his father in an NWA boxing match for realsies entered the ring and stabbed his opponent, um, who at the time was champion Angelo Sabaldi. Uh, uh, with a penknife uh, requiring 70 stitches to the guy. So it, Danny Hodge didn't plan this, but he's got a crazy father out there that might actually attack one of these guys, okay? So like that, and he doesn't, he doesn't need that because my God, I, I, gotta, I gotta give it to Danny Hodge. Uh, he just sounds like he is a son of a bitch. And he's 88, he still take a, at least at the age of 80, he can uh, take um, an apple and completely crush it and squeeze all the juice out of it. And it's just like it's in a ringer. Um, uh, there's pictures of him uh, doing that uh, at that age. Uh, and there's YouTube. Uh, the guy, I, I, I'd be scared to meet this guy. So, yeah. Um, I know, actually, I was quite surprised to uh, find out that Blackman had worked for WD or WF uh, prior to his uh, coming to uh, what we knew him as the martial arts uh, sort of guy, unfortunately part of Head Cheese uh, with Al Snow. But, yeah, to know that he had a career beforehand and once again, like Brock Lesnar, uh, overcame a disease to uh, continue in life. But then also right now he's – basically dog the bounty hunter. He's uh, doing a his real, real job is bounty hunting, and you got to be tough to uh, be doing that. And 
Denny Hodge, I guess, also used to uh, go to hardware stores and stuff like that and crush uh, pliers. He's a uh, one of the guys that uh, Jim Ross looked up to huge. Uh, you hear about him in his uh, book and also uh, the uh, podcast that Jim Ross does. So they both have a lot of strengths either way. I'm going to go with Danny Hodge as the fact that he can crush things just with his hand, bare hands. I wouldn't want him grabbing me anytime soon. Uh, at least you could get maybe away from Blackman for a little bit before he hunts you down. But Hodge, he gets your hand, his hands on you and you're toast. Is it a sweep, Chris Maloney? No, I got to go the other way. So much I respect Danny Hodge and all the uh, stories that come along with him. When you read with regards to what Steve Bra- uh, Blackman has gone through in life, uh, just to what you guys talking about his career and everything else, um, the fact he almost died, the the toughness that he showed against guys like JBL and the Big Show, and then um, you know he's just um, um, one of those guys that didn't have his due as far as the WWE went. I mean, they, they made him look like a, a basically a cartoon version of who he really was real life. But um, I think Steve Blackman had had his day. He probably would have been probably top three WWE uh, top toughest guys in the, in the, the history of the company, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. So I got to go Blackman just for that. I mean, you guys already picked Hodge, but uh, yeah, Blackman. Totally understandable. Like it's, it's a toss up when I was going for my uh, pick. Because, yeah, Blackman, really tough on that one. Um, which brings us to our next matchup, number four, Jake Hager, uh, known also in WD as Jack Swagger. Uh, he's currently uh, in AEW, uh, part of uh, Chris Jericho's inner circle. But he was also a collegiate uh, wrestler. Uh, he switched. Uh, from football to wrestling uh, in 2006, had a uh, record for most pins in a season with 30 as an All-American. And uh, following a tryout, uh, he was signed with WD in 2006 as well. He became a two-time world champion, having uh, WD uh, championship and the ECW uh, championship, one of them each. And he eventually left WD in 2017 and uh, started doing a MMA career, uh, working in, mainly in Bellator. So his career uh, record with that is he's only had three matches, and his, tomorrow night he's going to have his fourth one. But, yeah, he had a uh, no decision uh, or no contest his first uh, fight, but he's won his last two. So he's essentially uh, two zero and one uh, for his record. Uh, yeah, just another one of those farm kids that you just have natural uh, ability and uh, muscle, I should say, to him. Like he's not one of those guys who probably would go out to the gym nonstop and do everything, but because of uh, the work he had to do uh, as a kid growing up, that's that whole natural ability. He was ranked number 18 in the top 500 for PWI in 2009. Um, 
as I said, ECW Championship, WD uh, World Heavyweight Champion one time, a U.S. Champion, and he even won the Money in the Bank in 2010. Uh, he was voted uh, Most Improved Wrestler in 2010 by the Baltimore Sun. And as I said, right now he's working in AEW uh, with Chris Jericho. He's taking on Bubba Ray Dudley or Bully Ray, um, probably most successful being uh, a singles wrestler in uh, TNA. Of course, I guess you can say the fact is when you have a lot of room to wiggle there, somebody, everybody can have a chance to rise to the top. But he's been able to do that uh, and be somebody other than just a Dudley boy. Uh, Dudleys have so many uh, championships all around the world, but he was able to come out of that as well. Uh, but he's born July 14th, 1971, so 49 years old. He's wrestling occasionally still, but uh, you can hear him on Busted Open Radio uh, right now, and I believe he's also with Taz and Tommy Dreamer and a few others. Uh, he had match of the year in 2000 with Devon uh, in the tables, ladders, and chairs match involving Edge and Christian and Hardy Boys. Match of the year again in a TLC match with uh, Hardys and Dudleys in or Hardys and Edge and Christian in 2001. Tag team of the year in 2001-2009 with Devon ranked number four in the uh, 500 singles free. PWI in 2013, uh, ranked number 354 in the top 500 wrestlers in PWI years in 2003. But at that point, he was only known as a tag team wrestler with uh, Devon. He won the World uh, Strongest Tag Team uh, Determination League with Devon uh, for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Cauliflower Allard. Alley Club honoree uh, with Devon, also in 97. Destiny Wrestling Organization heavyweight champion one time. ECW tag team champion eight times. For being in ECW with all the things that they yeah, went through, tables and the garbage cans, and they were not uh, blocking shots to the head and everything. So you got to be pretty tough to make it through ECW as well. New Japan Pro Wrestling IWGP Tag Team Champions two times with Devon. Ring of Honor six-man tag team uh, champion with the Briscoe Brothers. TNA uh, Tag Team Champions with Devon. TNA World Heavyweight Champion two times. Tag Team Champion two times with Devon. The World Cup of Wrestling, uh, he was part of that team with Eric Young, Gunner, Eddie Edwards, and ODB. He's in the TNA Hall of Fame in 2014. Hardcore champion for WWE 10 times. Tag team uh, titles eight times with Devon. Uh, WWE Tag Team Championships uh, one time with uh, Devon. WCW WWE version one time. And they're both in the Hall of Fames in 2018. So, gearing back and forth between these two. We got Jake Hager, who does legit wrestling uh, with uh, Bellator, 
But he's only done a few uh, matches. Of course, he's won all of them and hopefully will win tomorrow night. But with all the years of experience that Devon Dudley has had, uh, Bubba Ray, uh, should I say, and Bully Ray uh, personas, I'm going to go with Bully Ray uh, over Jake Hager. Chris? Well, hey, Jonesy, your tiebreaker once again. <laughs> So um, I'm going to say this, uh, Sean probably put it best with his, his last statement there uh, when he's talking about legitimacy. Uh, that's the difference between Bully Ray and Jake Hager is the fact is Jake Hager is legitimate. Bully Ray is a gimmick. And I'm not knocking Bully Ray for being tough. There's 11 years difference between the two of them. But when you look at Jake Hager's resume, um, guy, basically, when he was at the University of Oklahoma, two-sport athlete uh, participating in both football and wrestling, went on to the WWE circus, so to speak, was never given the push that he deserved. From there, he ends up going on to Bellator MMA. Obviously, he's at AEW. The guy is six foot seven, 254 pounds, walks into a room at 38 years old. Legitimate toughness as far as like Bellator goes. Like I said, uh, his next uh, match is tomorrow, so he could be 3-0. and I guess we'll wait and see how tough he actually is. But I think he would mop the floor with Bully Ray. I think and in and, and saying that, not to say Bully Ray wasn't tough, but you have a legitimate All-American athlete in uh, Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, uh, taking on somebody who was most notoriously known for his tag team wrestling. Uh, as a gimmick. So not saying Bully Ray wasn't tough, but I think when it comes down to uh, gimmick toughness versus legit toughness, like I said, Jonesy, your tiebreaker with this. All right. Fantastic. Um, uh, Hagar, uh, he wrestled in high school with Danny Hodges' grandson. Um, he held on to an arm triangle choke after tapping. Uh, the crowd booed him. He... And I, that was, I think, one of his Bellator fights. He He's a bit of a badass. He won the match, but like professional wrestling, he went, I'm going to hold on this to, for a couple seconds. Now, whether that he was doing purposely or that was just in his head, but uh, you know what? I, I think it would be good for him to play the role of a, a badass. It's like, yeah, I was a professional wrestler, but you look at his past stuff that, that he's done um, – you know, I gotta I gotta go with him over uh, Bubba Ray. If it's a bar fight, it might be a little different. But if this is like in any sort of enclosed area that doesn't have any way to get out, I think Hager's gonna uh, take care of him eventually. Uh, but yeah, I think Bubba's gonna be a bloody mess and cause a lot of damage to Hagar. But um, I, I I just think, and I mean, you look at he is a handsome handsome uh nice looking badass i mean like you could put him in the college sweater and that and he'd be like grandma's boy and then the next minute just like he just his face has that nice and then mean so uh yeah i i i like it i like his chances so I, i'm going with him Sean, you're on mute. For a second, I thought I was on mute. Everything went. <laughs> no. So that puts Jake Hager uh, 2 1 uh, over Bully Ray, Bubba Ray, Dudley. Uh, moving on to our next matchup Chris Maloney with Junkasai taking on Haku. 
So I'm going to say you go from grandma's boy into the uh, total opposites with both of these guys. And I'm going to put it this way to get you guys thinking. So I'm going to announce that Jun Kasai is my actual winner in this. Um, uh, reason for it is a lot of them, but um, uh, he is moving on in my mind. So it would be up to you two guys. But when you talk about Haku, uh, you know, the legend known as Ming, so to speak. Um, born 1959, he is actually 61 years old. Uh, you know, one of the toughest Samoan uh, Tonga guys in the entire business. Uh, so many stories about him from, you know, all the way from uh, uh, Bobby Heenan uh, through Kevin Sullivan, uh, uh, you know, through uh, Shane Douglas talking about how tough he was. I'm going to share one story with you here. So 1989, Haku got an altercation with some men at a Baltimore airport bar who called wrestling fake. And during the fight, Haku bit off the nose of one of the men. Haku stated, yeah, it was the Baltimore airport. Me and uh, CB Afi went over there and lots of baby faces there at the bar. So we went in other corner away from them. When they're ready to close, we had a few drinks on the way out. Five guys just sitting there. Of course, the same thing came out, the fake stuff. Hey, you guys with those guys, wrestlers, fake wrestlers on TV, you know. I said, yeah, I'll show you. And I reached over there without thinking. There were other four guys there, laughs, grabbed his face and bit his nose off. Then the fight started, me and Siva just kind of cleaned house there and left it off. Uh, and that uh, basically, like I said, that was just one story. Stories from Bobby Heenan, stories from Shane Douglas. I mean, he you look at him now, 61 years old. He, You want to talk about dark alleys early in the show? Yeah, he is one of those guys that be like, oh, screw it, I'm out of here. You know, it's uh, he's... And, and especially the way the WCW portrayed him when he was um, Haku in the WWE, when he was part of the Islanders gimmick, when he was, um, I think, prior to the Islanders gimmick. And he was known as, I think, King Tonga. I think it was uh, no facial hair. I mean, he was clean and crisp and everything else. And then when he went over to WCW and he was Ming and he had those pants, the flare of pants with the hair. It's like, holy crap. I mean, they made him look even tougher. But. I'm going to try this because I've noticed on the program here, there's a little share screen button down below. And in saying that, um, I'm going to try to find this tab that I've got. If I can, and it's not coming up. So I'm going to have, I'm going to have to do this. Just give me one sec here. Bear with me. So I've got it open. I'm just going to reopen it in a new tab. So I got this, this, I'll go back to this. I'm going to share the screen again. And I'm going to hopefully see, I think, oh yeah, here we go. So they say you can never unsee certain things, and they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And if you're weak at heart, I, I shut off the friggin' uh, the show for a good five seconds or so. But here you go, guys. This is what I'm showing everybody right now. So, um, can you guys see this at all? Uh, no. There we go. Now we can. I'm adding it. So Sean's got the ability to add and not add. Oh things. yeah. But right there. Okay, right there, you read the stories about these two guys. And the next thing you know, you see that image there. Okay, that is Jung, Jung Kasai's back. Okay, dude right now is, uh, how old is he? 46 years old. Okay, 42 years older than myself and, and, and Sean. And Sean, you can stop sharing the screen now because I'm going to have some nightmares going on through Halloween here. But <laughs> 46 years old, two years older than myself. Okay, and you go into the stories online. Uh, you know, in 1974, he was born, got into wrestling 1998, okay? King of the deathmatch, so to speak. So, and this is one of the things I saw from Wikipedia. Kasai has par participated five times in an extremely bloody Razor deathmatch. So, 
uh, the, basically the, the, the rules of this is a hardcore match where boards are fitted with many razor blades. The first of these death match was held in 2005 with the Jaki uh, Numazawa in which Jung took on a power, uh, power bomb into the razor bladed board. The second one held in 2008 Kasai's match was against the American wrestler Masada. Uh, 20, uh, sorry, 2009, he defeated, uh, looks like a Ruju, Riju into another razor match after a double underhook face butter <laughs> sorry not face butter face buster onto a <laughs> face buster onto a cactus so beyond that photo and that photo is on reddit by the way you guys can google it um they talk about some of this, his highlights and matches so jung kasai lands face first onto a, a gazette plate board not sure what that is sounds painful uh gets steak skewers driven into his skull gets suplex on the meat cleavers gets power bomb through a glass pane and basically it gets effed up on a jump and lands face first onto a table uh they go on to say the guy is effing crazy so you you know you got ming and and uh, haku as tough as he is but he doesn't take bumps like that he doesn't have scars like that this guy's back reminds me of abdullah the butcher's head basically 50 times expanded over looks like new jack's head as well um I've got to, I'm telling you this, I will guarantee tonight after the show is done and AEW is over with, I will be watching one of his matches to see how tough this guy was. But when you look at him, like I said, 46 years old, the guy is only 5'8", 194 pounds, and his back looks like that. So originally, when I, I tell you this, we are talking about this tournament. I think we all unanimously voted Haku Ming was in this, but uh, put him up against Jung uh, 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 Kasai. Yeah, forget about it. Jung, I guarantee almost finals for me. Be interesting to see who goes uh, goes up against them. You know, you you you, you make me so happy. <laughs> um, it's actually a tough a tough pick because I'm a huge fan of Jun Kasai, uh, aka the Crazy Monkey. Uh, you want a match to watch after this? Okay, it's Jun Kasai and Danzig, um, Masa and Masada. Uh, there's that it's actually a tag team about 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 it is done in like a freaking parking lot it is the craziest shit you're ever gonna fucking see it's the craziest match i've seen um uh june aside um after a while they brought in this freaking huge moving van that of course is all the crap that they brought the with the ring gear and all that and they use this truck in a lot of their shows and it's got to be at least I'd say 12 feet from the ground, how high it is. Uh, anyway, so Jun Kasai is about to be um, uh, power slammed on these three flaming tables they have at the bottom. And he goes right through the tables. They move. The tables didn't take anything. He took it splat floor, or sorry, concrete uh, um, outside right on the back. He immediately gets up and fucking runs away. And then just drops down to like people talk about how um, like New Jack and all that they ain't got nothing on these guys over there. Jun Kasai is one of many guys that they have down there. They're out of their fucking minds. And and the great thing about them and why it's so popular down there is because these guys not only can take these moves and like working with barbed wire and and crazy crazy stuff that they put in their heads um they can also wrestle they they do like it's like you take the x division in old tna and tell them it's super death fight 
and anything goes, holy shit. Uh, it, it's fantastic. Um, now, up on Haku here, uh, which I prefer to think of him as actually Ming. I think Ming was with the big poofy hair, crazy, crazy looking bastard. And which one? I would not want to meet. I'd rather meet Jun Kasai personally. And I think I'd have a better chance at him than Haku because I can't, I could only take one, maybe two Haku blows. That would be it. If I survive one, I'm lucky. I'm not taking three. Now, Jun Kasai, though, I imagine it is almost like a Street Fighter cartoon match because um, I think Jun Kasai could survive. Now, how good he is after that, but some of those moves that he has taken, uh, he can survive anything. Uh, uh, so for me, it, it's Jun Kasai. Okay. Well, this is definitely a surprise. As uh, Chris Maloney said at the beginning of uh, this one, when we talked about it last week, it was looking like we were like, okay, Haku's definitely in there. He's the guy to beat. Almost like uh, saying Hogan's heel turn is the one to beat in that uh, one with the heel turns and stuff like that. Or There's certain people you look at and go, okay, he's going pretty much to the semifinals, if not the finals. And Haku is out in the first round. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely a tough guy. Um, going with the Ming uh, look as well. When he was with Colonel Robert Parker and everything and in the suit and uh, the war games where he took the chair from Dusty, I think it was, and it just hung around his neck and he didn't even flinch. It was a wooden chair that splintered everywhere. And then he just murdered everybody. That's the guy that you don't want to see in Dark Alley. But then when Jun Kasai has that picture that uh, Chris Maloney shared, and that's a guy who obviously doesn't really care too much, is willing to take as much punishment to himself as possible and still come out on top, that's crazy. And, yeah, uh, 3 nothing. Uh, Junkasai is moving on. Which brings us to our next matchup. Jonesy with Ken Shamrock, recently inducted into uh, Impact Wrestling's Hall of Fame this past weekend, taking on Minero Suzuki and spelt right. Yes. Um, I, too, when researching, I'm, I'm glad there's Google. If there wasn't Google... And we had to do this old school and go to the library in the index. Uh, <laughs> screwed on that one. Um, yeah, so uh, who's in order? Shamrock. So uh, Ken Shum Shamrock, uh, the world's dangerous man, and he has that title earned, given to him. It's not something that he made up, a gimmick. Uh, um, my cat's trying to get in. Well, come on in. We're talking about Shamrock. Come on. Um, He's 6'1", uh, Ken Shamrock, not my cat. Uh, his reach is 73, uh, 73 inches. Uh, and something I learned, if, you, if, if they don't have the reach down there, basically then take their height, and that's their minimum uh, reach is what their uh, height is. So anyways, um, shoot fighter, 
Uh, teacher was uh, Masakatazu Fanaki. Um, kickboxing record is zero and one with a KO. Uh, martial arts, uh, his record is 28, 17, and two. Uh, he's got three um, KOs and uh, he's given 22 submissions. Uh, his losses include he's been knocked out uh, 11 times and uh, four submissions. Uh, in wrestling, uh, his height is uh, listed at 6'1". Believe it or not, sometimes it changes. Uh, and um, his weight at wrestling is heavier than his fighting uh, at 243. Uh, he's trained by Buzz Sawyer, Bret Hart, uh, Leo Burke, Gene Anderson, uh, plus two others. His debut was in 89. Uh, Shamrock, uh, uh, Royce Gracie feud uh, was uh, massive. Uh, uh, he won UFC 6 uh, versus Dan Severin uh, for the belt. Uh, the first foreign foreign MMA champ in uh, Japan title uh, is called King of Pancrase. Uh, so he has the equivalent of the American and over in uh, Japan. Um, he's the first TNA champ. Uh, WWE credits Shamrock with popularizing the ankle lock. Uh, George uh, Tregos Award, UFC Hall of Fame, uh, UFC Super Fight Champ, long fight, uh, uh, a long fight with Will, uh, yeah, with uh, Gracie, which is in UFC history. I think it still stands at 36 minutes. Uh, feud of the Year with uh, Tito Ortiz, PWI Most Most Improved, um, and uh, number eight in '98. Uh, uh, NWA, uh, Impact Hall of Fame, uh, WCW IC t uh, tag, and it goes on. Uh, he won the IC tournament uh, and lots of stuff in indies. Um, he was a military brat growing up, uh, stabbed at an early age, and uh, ended up in juvenile hall. Then we got uh, Min Minro Suza uh, Suzuki. Uh, his, uh, he was born in 68. Uh, he is 5'10". Um, so he's got a much shorter reach than uh, um, uh, Shamrock, at least three inches. Uh, catch uh, freestyle and shoot wrestling. Teachers is Carl Gotch uh, and Kotizu Yadamoto. Uh, I love saying Yadamoto. Uh, NJPW Dojo. Um, uh, Yoshaki Fajerawa <laughs> messed that one up. Uh, debut was 88 to 93 as far as the shoot wrestling and all that stuff. And then um, 2000, actually, I think he had a break in there. And then anyways, 2003, yeah, that's what it was. So 88, 93, he did the wrestling. Then in between is when he did all the shoot stuff and all that. And then he went back to professional wrestling in 2003 uh, to now. Um, his MMA, uh, um, record is 30 and 20, three KOs and 22 submissions, um, against, uh, oh, against him, he's had eight knockouts and seven, uh, he submitted seven times. Uh, co-founder of Pancrease, uh, one of the first, uh, martial arts, uh, organizations in the world. And um, if you notice, there was, I mentioned down here that Shamrock won that damn thing, um, was one of the best fighters in the world, praised by elite uh, uh, fighters, including Shamrock. 
um, uh, declared an upset over Shamrock in early in uh, uh, Pain Crease. So uh, he's actually had a win over Shamrock, but that was um, uh, many years ago. Uh, and that was so that was before uh, um, Shamrock's UFC run, that win. Uh, uh, Shamrock was actually hurt in the match by Suzuki uh, with, um, uh, can't read that one, but uh, heel hook and a knee bar. Uh, Shamrock declared that he was asked not to hurt Suzuki uh, in that match who had, uh, who already had a bad back issue. So Shamrock is saying that that win might have not have been, you know, a real win. Um, Motion uh, character for he was the motion character for a uh, king in the Tekken video game. If you ever played Tekken, um, tons of belts, all Japan Pro. The list is pretty big. Uh, matches of the year PWI 14 um, in uh, 2007, and that's number 14 out of 500. Uh, Tokyo Sports Awards Observer uh, Match of the Year in 2012 and 2014, kickboxing, submission, grappling. Um, it's a pretty tough one for me, and I'm trying to look if I – no, I, I haven't even – this is one of the only ones I didn't make a, um, a uh, prediction to because they're both damn equal. And for me, it's hard because I don't – I honestly don't know. I'm only going by the stats of Suzuki. Uh, Shamrock looks like a badass – uh, and we know he's a badass. Uh, this Minro Suzuki. And, um, before I, is there anything that you believe you'd say um, that is going to make me that I don't know that I mentioned about Suzuki that I might have left out? Sean? <laughs> All right. The, the, the only thing I can say about Suzuki, the fact is he beat Ken Shamrock twice, and everybody well, knows twice. Ken. Yeah, so everybody knows Ken Shamrock for his UFC career. Obviously, they know his WWE run and NWA and everything else. But the fact is, when it comes down to it, and you look at UFC stats alone, Shamrock was 28-17-2. So as much as of a UFC career he had, he still lost 17 times. And he lost against guys like Hoist Gracie as well as uh, Dan Severin. Um, so Suzuki is as tough as they come as far as legends go in Japan. But like I said, when it comes down to just stats alone, the two of these guys, uh, Minoru Suzuki beat Ken Shamrock twice as far as MMA goes. So, well, then you know I have to go with Suzuki, um, only because again he's beat him twice. The once I kind of was like, well, you know that could be a fluke, and that's why I haven't done click. So. I'm going to have to go with history on this one because I don't know enough about Suzuki um, where I've seen Shamrock fighting and all that. So um, any look, uh, Suzuki, I can't even, I can't even picture his face. So, and I know we've seen it at the beginning, but um, Shamrock is, you know, in my head. Uh, anyway, so Minoru is the one I'm going for on that one. Suzuki's got crazy hairstyle. Um, kind of. I'm gonna go look up this picture <laughs> while you guys do your talk. An old school Japanese face, and if you're on Instagram, check out Suzuki on Instagram because he's got this fascination for socks. And if you go into his Instagram, you'll understand <laughs> what I mean. All right. <laughs> well, it does look like 
Chris Maloney is going to be the tiebreaker in this one because world's most dangerous man. So I, that's why I'm going with is Ken Shamrock, but <laughs> I have a feeling I know where Chris Maloney is going with his vote. You know how oh, he's um, the one with the crazy do. <laughs> yeah, so you know how like they regard like Shawn Michaels and uh, the Undertaker and and um, who else we got over here? Even Kane is legends over here in North America. Yeah, Suzuki just kills them all over there in Japan. The fact is, Suzuki is a legend as far as Japanese wrestling goes, and it's not just New Japan Pro Wrestling; it's all Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Guys, fifty-two years old, competed in the uh, G1 Climax Thirty just recently there. Like I said, he's got two wins over Ken Shamrock as far as MMA goes. Uh, one of the founding fathers they consider as far as mixed martial arts go in Japan. Uh, his MMA record, he went on a 7-0 run uh, in the beginning, beating Ken Shamrock in his fourth match. Uh, lost to Bass Rutten. If, if people are familiar with Bass Rutten, he was part of that uh, little montage as far as Impact Wrestling goes this past Saturday night. And then he was up until he was 13-4 when he lost to Frank Shamrock, uh, Ken's brother, and then won against Ken Shamrock uh, to go 14-4. and four. So those were his, his two wins there. But you look at the names that he had fought in the beginning, and it's like UFC legends. Uh, he even fought uh, Jushin Thunder Liger in an MMA uh, fight, which was kind of uh, interesting. So kind of want to check that out. But to me, as a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan, um, Minoru Suzuki against Ken Shamrock, yes, you say world's most dangerous man, but prove it. Against two. It's a WWE gimmick. It's an Impact Wrestling gimmick. You're talking the early days back in NWA. He was uh, given that uh, by ABC for by his ABC. Uh, work uh, in USC. He had that before coming to WWE. Yeah, well, you know what? There's a little Jody bit. Of- is muted, so <laughs> he's just rattling off stats. There's a little bit of bias going on, but the fact is, when you come down to it, and I mean, I've, I've talked about Minoru Suzuki's uh, uh, MMA career, but the fact is, All Japan Pro Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, champions for both of those. He had match of the year in 2010. Like I said, he competed in G1 Climax 30. Uh, he was uh, 2007, ranked number 14 in, in the top 500 singles. He also wrestled for Pro Wrestling Noah, Revolution Pro Wrestling, Tokyo Sports, uh, awards, awards, awards. And the fact is, uh, voted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in 2017. So his the, the, when you talk about stats as far as Ken Shamrock goes, yes, he's a Hall of Fame career. And when I think about MMA and think about UFC and back to the days when I first started watching MMA back in like 1993, when you talk about the other side of things and uh, you think about uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, MMA over there, and um, the way it had uh, Pride, Pride was the major one that was over there at that point. But without Suzuki, Pride might have not existed the way it did. So, fact is, yeah, hands down, I got to go Suzuki. And like I said, there's a little bit of bias there, but uh, stats wise, like I said, he beat uh, Ken Shamrock twice MMA. So, there you go. So, let me use this on to match number seven with John Bradshaw Layfield taking on Dr. Death Steve Williams. So John Layfield, uh, born November 29th, uh, 1966, uh, went by a number of different names, uh, such as just Bradshaw, Blackjack Bradshaw, Death Mask, JBL, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, Justin Hawk, and Vampiro Americano. Uh, He debuted in wrestling 
in uh, 92 and retired in 2009. Now, he worked for uh, Global uh, Wrestling Federation uh, from 92 to 94, did some indies uh, from 93 to 95, uh, working over in Japan as well. Uh, NWA for a year, 94, 95, before landing in uh, WWE, uh, where he started off in 1995 as Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Uh, one of his uh, most famous matches was against Undertaker uh, when he first started, and it was also the same matchup, the uh, Taker versus uh, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, that saw the debut of Mick Foley. So he has uh, that distinction there. Uh, after dumping the uh, Justin Hawk uh, gimmick, he uh, did the new Blackjacks with uh, Barry Windham. Uh, then became an acolyte where they were part of the ministry. But then it became the APA uh, teaming with Ron Simmons. And they got uh, seen more as barroom brawlers at that time. Uh, eventually, when Ron Simmons retired... He was still kind of doing a little bit of the APA thing, but wasn't going too far. And next thing you know, he shows up as a J.R. Ewing uh, type uh, billionaire or millionaire uh, tycoon and flashing money, driving in uh, with his car with his horns and he had his cabinet. But this also reflected on the fact that he started learning a uh, business and put out a uh, book in that regards. But he was also known as a bully backstage uh, by uh, a lot of the talent who unfortunately were victims of his wrath, uh, should I say. And before going to uh, wrestling, he was a college football player where he was NCAA Division II All-American in 89. Uh, Catch Wrestling Association World Tag Team Champion one time with Cannonball Grizzly. Uh, he has Luthez Award in 2012. Global Tag Team uh, Championship with Bobby Duncan Jr. And a separate one with Black Bart. So definitely on his uh, Texas uh, gimmick uh, because he is from Texas. NWA North America Heavyweight Champion uh, one time. OVW uh, Southern Tag Team Champion one time with Ron Simmons. Ranked number five in top 500 by uh, PWI in 2005. Ranked 496 in the best 500 wrestlers of all time. Uh, PWI years 2003. Uh, as far as WWE Championships goes, he has one-time uh, WWE Championship, one IC title, one U.S., 18-time hardcore champion, one-time European champion, three-time tag team uh, championships with uh, Ron Simmons, and a couple slammings award. He's the 10th Grand Slam winner, the 20th Triple Crown champion, got into the WWE Hall of Fame while well, he was supposed to, uh, this year, 2020, but they have yet to do the official induction. Uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame gave him the best gimmick in 2004 and worst television announcer in 2014 and 15. So that is John Layfield. 
and he's taking on Steve Williams, Dr. Death, born May 14th, uh, 1960, uh, passed away December 29th, uh, 2009, after battling cancer. He debuted in 1982 and retired in 2009. Very good friends with uh, Jim Ross. He was a collegiate football uh, player, uh, professional football player, also with the uh, New Jersey uh, Generals in the uh, USFL in uh, 1983. Then he ended up uh, going in professional wrestling where he uh, worked all over, mainly in Japan, uh, in WCW, NWA. Uh, he was one of the top guys for uh, Bill Watts' UWF. Uh, 2004 to 2009, he uh, was battling cancer. He had a mixed martial arts uh, career with uh, one uh, match. Uh, that he lost by a knockout uh, to Alexei Ignashov. Uh, that was in 2004. Some of his championships include All Japan Triple Crown Heavyweight Champion one time, World Tag Team Champion eight times with a mixture of Terry Bam Bam Gordy, Gary Albright, Vader, and Johnny Ace. World Strongest Tag Team Determination League with uh, Terry Gordy. Uh, and also Mike Rotunda. He's a uh, Cauliflower Alley Award, Luthez Award in 2008. Pro Wrestling uh, Illustrated's Most Improved Wrestler of the Year, 85. Tag Team of the Year, 92 with Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Ranked number eight in the 500 uh, Best Singles Wrestlers of the Year in uh, 1991. Ranked 78 of the top 500 uh, in the PWI years 2003. He was uh, UWF Sports Channel Television Champion one time, UWF uh, World Heavyweight Champion one time. Uh, WCW, he had the NWA US uh, Tag Team titles one time with Kevin Sullivan. WCW Tag Team Championships twice, once with Mike Rotunda and once with Barry, uh, Terry Gordy. NWA Tag Team Championship one time with Terry Gorey. Uh, NWA Tag Team uh, Championship uh, Tournament in 92 uh, with Terry Gordy as uh, partner. Wrestling Observer gave him the match of the year in 2006 with Johnny Ace against uh, Mitsuhara Mishwa and Jung, I'm just butchering names, uh, in Japan and uh, 96. Most Improved Wrestler, 85. Strongest, strongest Wrestler, 87 to 90. Uh, worst on interviews in 88. But he's a guy who definitely needed somebody like a mouthpiece, like Jim Roth attempted to uh, sort of be for him in uh, WWE. Rookie of the Year in 82. Tag Team of the Year in 92 with Terry Gordy. And he's in the Wrestling Observer uh, Newsletter Hall of Fame in 2011. Uh, the interesting thing is uh, with Steve Williams, if you watch um, Dark Side of the Ring that happened uh, this past year in season two, they talked about the Tough Enough uh, show or the segments that WD had. And 
whether they want to believe it or not, uh, there was talk that it was geared towards him winning the whole thing to end up having him uh, go against Steve Austin in the future. So they were trying to build him up, but he ended up getting knocked out uh, early in the tournament, uh, got injured, and that uh, was basically the end of his career. Uh, the Tough Enough tournament, unfortunately, uh, as uh, Jonesy said a little while ago, it knocked out uh, Steve Blackman, and he had to drop out. There were so many guys who could not finish the whole thing because it was legit fighting, and they didn't make it like they thought they were supposed to and actually got injured. Had it been more gimmicked, uh, maybe yeah, Steve Williams would have made it to uh, the finals to go against the other Steve Williams. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and rest would have been history, but it didn't happen that way. Given the fact of these two, I don't know. Bradshaw did make it further in the Tough Enough uh, tournament than uh, Steve Williams did. Um, I think Dr. Death has more credibility behind him uh, than uh, Layfield. So I will go with Dr. Death over the uh, JBL. Where does it go from here, guys? So Mitsu, Haru, Masawa. Okay. You can go back and watch that and, and try to pronounce it properly on Scumbags tomorrow night. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, with regards to uh, this right here, JBL, I can't... When I think of JBL, when I actually liked him was back when he was John Bradshaw Layfield with the whole kind of Stan Hansen gimmick going on. Uh, when he became the bully, so to speak, when the reincarnation of ECW existed, and all of a sudden he, you know, dummied up the blue meanie. I just kind of lost all respect for the guy. Um, put him in the ring with a legit tough guy outside the brawl for all, of course. Dr. Death, Steve Williams in a wrestling match. I think Dr. Death would dummy him up. Um, I know the tournament was surrounding Dr. Death, him winning, all of a sudden becoming that huge superstar. It obviously never happened. We got Bart Gunn and Butterbean at WrestleMania, but the fact is, when it comes down to it, um, Dr. Death was basically an old school looking wrestler. Uh, you know, wasn't the, the biggest as far as height went, but he was broad and he looked like he could run through you, you know, and that the, um, his finishing move, the Oklahoma stampede, uh, you know, the fact that he was part of the varsity club. Apparently I haven't seen this yet, but apparently it exists of Dr. Death press slamming Terry Bam Bam Gordy, 350 pounds over his head. Like he was absolutely nothing. I mean that right there, that's just huge strength. You talk about his amateur uh, football career as well as his pro football career. Uh, you talk about his feuds with, uh, like I said, Mitsu Haru Musawa. And uh, he had that Japanese uh, toughness over there as well. So uh, not a big fan of JBL, um, John Bradshaw, Layfield, however you want to call him. So I'm going to go old school. I'm going to go varsity club. I'm going to go uh, with uh, Dr. Dusty Williams. Is it a sweep, Jonesy? If I had to watch a JBL match versus a Dr. Death match, I'd choose a JBL match. I never got Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Um, yes, he does look tough, but that's about it. And I didn't, none of his matches stick out to me as being wow or anything. To me, he's old school wrestling that when you know it's a show, it's boring. Um, but in a knockdown drag fight, I would hope that he would kick the shit out of JBL. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go with Dr. Death. There we go. Three nothing. 
uh, victory of Dr. Death moving on to face the winner of Ron Simmons against Abdullah Kobayashi. Yeah, and it's interesting because we were talking about the guys who didn't make it. Abdullah the Butcher was one of those guys that didn't make it in. I mean, but yeah, you've got the, the guy that he trained who who, who makes it in. So uh, Abdullah Kobayashi, I was like, you know what? I've never heard of this guy before. And all of a sudden I go and Google him. I was like, why is his name Abdullah? And then sure enough, one of the first things they say uh, after Abdullah the Butcher, who was his trainer, uh, career began in 1985. I'm sorry, 1995. He was part of Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Deathmatch division uh, wrestled for Big Japan Pro Wrestling most of his career. Uh, he's very well known, and you guys who read this over Wikipedia as well, for death matches uh, with se- several of the other uh, BJPW wrestlers. Um, when it comes down to it, he apparently had hepatitis C at one point, forced him to take a break, and he ended up coming back and returning to the ring. Uh, but some of the, the things that he's accomplished, tag team championship over there in Big Japan, death match heavyweight championship four times that's absolutely un- insane guy's only five foot nine but he's 364 pounds so he's a tiny guy but he's a lot of mass to him kind of reminds me of Falabao from uh, uh impact wrestling there um you go on to look and basically he's had some other championships for combat zone wrestling as well as um looks like wew not sure what that is and then won the fighting spirit award in 2012 the downside about this is as much as he looks tough and as much as he was trained by Abdullah, fact is when it comes down to it, he's going up against Ron Simmons. I mean, now Ron Simmons, you think about the whole gimmick where all of a sudden, he, and he even did it when was it, last week on Law and Otis, where all of a sudden he's sitting there at the end of the segment, he's like, damn, you know what I mean? And that whole gimmick there. But that's a testament to his toughness. When he was APA, that's the one thing I will good, say good about Bradshaw is the fact is he was a compliment to Ron Simmons, and apparently they're best friends in real life. But when you look at Ron Simmons, Guy was born, when was it, uh, May of 1958, 62 years old, uh, basically six foot two, 270 pounds, but he was a strong 60, or sorry, a, a strong 270 pounds. Like the guy was just solid mass. Um, when you look at his uh, career before wrestling, uh, basically it was, uh, you know, amateur football. Um, apparently he, where's it here? Simmons was an American college and pro football player who was a defensive tackle in the NFL, CFL, and United States football league. So he excelled at uh, at football itself. Again, he was just hardcore as far as his uh, his gimmick went. Uh, I know past tournaments we've done and we've uh, we've thought about uh, you know we've included the team Doom, uh, how tough he was back then with uh, with Butch Reed, all the way through to the Farouk character, all the way through to him becoming the first ever uh, WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Um, you know when he was in WWE, as far as the accolades go, the APA, he just looks like somebody who basically, to me, anyways, would take no shit. If you got into it with him, he would basically, you know, slap the crap out of you. Apparently, there's a story online as far as Ahmed Johnson goes and how Ahmed had uh, apparently injured him and put him on the shelf for nine months. And anyways, after that happened, basically for nine months straight, people warned Ahmed Johnson. He said, when he comes back, he goes, you got to go running. And this was a, apparently a legit tough guy with Ahmed Johnson. But Farouk, Ron Simmons, looks like just one of those guys that, you know, you never want to kind of mess with, get on the wrong side of him. He's soft-spoken, kind of, uh, you know, passionate guy about the business. Uh, will lend his ear to pretty much anybody who wants to to hear it. But um, I haven't really found any really good stories about him other than that the uh, Ahmed Johnson story. But when it comes to legit toughness and even somebody who's like 62 years old, as far as being in that ring goes, he looked like he could take it to a bunch of 20 to uh, 30 year olds uh, nowadays. But um, 
as much as I, I, I like the fact that uh, Abdullah the Butcher named another guy Abdullah, I've got to go with Ron Simmons here just for the fact it's Ron Simmons. So that's my pick. Jonesy. Okay, that's cool. Um, I had a thought and I lost it with um, uh, Ron Simmons there. He, There's no doubt Ron Simmons is a tough guy. Um, but I'm going to go to Abdullah here. You go on about, we, oh, sorry, we went on about Jun Kasai. This guy has fought that guy many times. Talk about tough. This guy does matches, tack matches, where the whole ring is surrounded in tacks. Um, uh, um, barbed wire, uh, light bulbs, fluorescent tubes, glass, and he's wrestling. You can find it on YouTube. He's and I think it's against Jun Kasai, um, wrestling with no boots on. It's bare feet, and you wouldn't even know that he's stepping on anything. Uh, he eats. One of his things that he's known for his gimmicks is he eats the fluorescent tube during the match. He actually puts it in his mouth and then spits it at the guy. The guy is um, he doesn't look like a hardcore guy. He looks like kind of. Kind of, kind of like a blob. He, he, but he moves. The guy does high kicks. He can get off his feet. He, he's um, like a, he wrestles like a junior weight. It's it. The guy is uh, phenomenal. Um, against Ron Simmons, uh, if it's a real fight, um, you know my uh, what I would be afraid of is uh, I think Ron Simmons would run out of gas going after the guy. Uh, because uh, he can take so many hits to the head. Um, you, you talk about proving yourself and toughness. Yes, Ron Simmons proved his toughness, uh, especially in the football field uh, and in professional wrestling. But when real life comes and hits you, can can he take someone throwing a fucking brick at him? Um, no. Can 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 Abdullah Kobayashi take it? Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm going with Abdullah because I, I I would like to go with Ron Simmons, but this guy is way too hardcore to be taken out by Ron Simmons. So I am the tiebreaker on this. Uh, both of you have uh, very compelling arguments. Uh, and I seen your mouth drop when I said about eating glass. <laughs> Who? Which one? Maloney? Oh, yeah. Abdul. And he also, uh, Abdul also uh, does this uh, with the glass on his chest. Yeah, that, that's just, I don't know if that's tough or if that's just crazy. Uh, damn. Ron Simmons is going to move on. I know it's not going to be a popular decision, but well, no, because when like honestly, I I thought this was a, a, a no problem now because I didn't think Jun Kasai was going to get through the first round, but then you know uh, um, uh, Maloney sold them for me, so that was fantastic. Um, but I would I would I didn't you know at first I didn't think that Kobayashi had a chance against Simmons. But after you went on about June Kasai, I'm telling you, uh, uh, 
you, you after you watch Abdullah Kobayashi, you're gonna rethink that and go, I, you know what? I don't know because these guys, like he does, like 20, 25 minute matches, hardcore. Uh, his endurance is a, a crazy for a guy his size, um, and he, he, he they still do these technical moves 15, 20 minutes into the match. These guys are fucking tough. But we'll move well, on. We are moving on to round number two. But Chris okay. Maloney, can you recap our first round? I'm going to say this: interesting that there's a uh, two, three, and O's on there. One's for June Kasai, and the other one's for Mildred Burke. So it's very <laughs> interesting here. Uh, so we got Brock Lesnar moving on two one against Stan Hansen. Mildred Burke moving on three O against Necro Butcher. Uh, Danny Hodge moving on two one against Steve Blackman. Jake Hager moving on two one against Bubba Ray Lit, uh, Dudley. Uh, Jun Kasai moving on 3-0 against Haku. Uh, that right there is uh, amazing because, like I said, I would have chosen Haku 100 times over uh, before looking into Jun Kasai. Uh, Manuro Suzuki taking on, uh, or sorry, moving on 2-1 against Ken Shamrock. Uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, 3-0. And there was another 3-0. So Dr. Death moving on 3-0 against uh, JBL. And then Simmons, 2-1 against... Uh, uh, Abdullah Kobayashi. So it's uh, going to be an interesting second round. I know some of them are easy, but uh, some of them are going to be tough. And I say that with yeah. being only four matches. So, Which starts us off with our first uh, match of round two. Jonesy. Brock Lesnar okay. against Mildred Burke. So Lesnar against Burke. Um, I'm going to assume this is just going to be like an MMA style fight where it's you know, first to the death. Um, now, <laughs> Lester six three. Okay, Mildred is a five two. Um, we've got the uh, seventy five uh, uh, inch reach with Lesnar. Burke's got about a sixty four reach, uh, and um, Lesnar is between two sixty five and two eighty six. We're going to say two sixty five since that is that's his MMA weight, and he weighs. Uh, oh yeah, but that that was the weight. Sorry, and uh, Burke one hundred and thirty eight pounds. Uh, I, I would I would say that eventually I would hope that Brock Lesnar would win this one. Um, the only thing is like Burke in the history Burke could get them down and say pin them, but could they knock them out? Um, that that would be the only thing with that. Uh, could Burke take down Lesnar? I bet you she could. Could she do it for a long period of time? I, I would hope not. Um, part of me wants to go with Burke on this just because it, it it's hard to predict. I mean, a woman that beats 200 guys and only lost the one, you'd imagine at least one or two of them are going to be the size of a Lesnar. Maybe not as fit in that, but she was able to take these guys down. Um, uh, I would love to see it. Uh, it'd be great to put it into one of those virtual computer machines. Um, logic, I, I got to go with Lesnar, even though I do want to go for Burt on it. Um, but I just I, I I think with Lesnar, especially since he has these MMA titles and stuff like that, I got to go with Lesnar. Um, but you know what? God damn. Well, I'm going to let Chris Maloney decide on this one because I was thinking uh, the same thing uh, in a way when you were talking, uh, Jonesy, that 
of the guys that she went against, one loss. How many guys did she take down that were the size of Brock Lesnar going in there thinking, this is a five foot two woman, I can take her, and she embarrassed the hell out of them? You know, how many of them were Brock Lesnar's size? So I'm going to go with Mildred Burke and see if uh, what direction Chris Maloney is going to go. Yeah, fuck no. Mildred Burke is not going past Brock Lesnar. Sorry. It's just the way it is. You've got Brock Lesnar, six foot three, taking on somebody who's uh, five foot two and 130 pounds. As tough as she was, okay, and this goes to every wrestling fan out there. Okay, what was that? It was, what was, what, what, what was that, that, that little stat that came up probably about six years ago? 20, 21 and, and one, I think it was, at this thing called WrestleMania. And Brock Lesnar beat up on The Undertaker. He beat the unbeatable at WrestleMania. Gave him a concussion, too. And gave him a concussion as well. So the fact is, when you look at Brock Lesnar, okay, here's a guy who obviously can handle himself in the ring as far as professional wrestling goes, as far as uh, amateur wrestling goes as well. And then you look at it, and you look at his MMA career. Okay, the guy had nine matches, five wins, three losses, one no contest. But when you look at it, um, his career itself, so... The no contest, which was 2016, it was his final MMA match, went into the third round. Okay, uh, most of his uh, fights, when you look at them, went first round, but a couple second round, a couple third rounds. And, and saying that the fact is, when it comes down to it, Brock Lesnar, for being six foot three, 275 pounds, whatever you want to call him, dealing with the diverticulite, I'll get that name eventually, dealing with that. The fact is, I agree with Jones, Mildred Burke could probably take this guy down. But in that stat that's online that says 200 uh, matches and one guy beat her, that's that guy. That's that Brock Lesnar. So Brock Lesnar, yeah, moves on. No problem at all. If, if why could, did Brock get that a was no a one contest? Huh? Why did Brock get a no contest? I don't know. I did. It's a, 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 let me he see. Um, a drug hold test. on. Originally, a unanimous decision win for overtime. Yeah, because he okay, fine. So drug test. So the fact is, it's it's you telling me back in the carnival days that there wasn't drugs going on. I mean, Tylenol was probably was a banned substance back then. So, anyways, the fact is, Mildred Burke, if it went thirty seconds, might have a chance. But if she can't beat Brock Lesnar in thirty seconds, forget about it. Yeah, she's toast. Man, you know what, Maloney, you do really good on these sports um, uh, battles and that on like TSN and all that because you you taking and saying that one person that lost that's the Brock Lesnar that 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 sold it that sold it, man. You convince people at home. Well, 6-3 versus 5-2. I mean, it's like, yeah, anyways, it is what it is. See, this is the type of stuff, though, I do believe that if you believe in heaven, this is the type of stuff that you will be able to get to see. But that's why I threw Mildred a bone. So, anyway. Should have a bigger bone there, like 6-3. <laughs> Match number two sees Danny Hodge taking on Jake Hager. Uh, a lot of legit uh toughness between both of them um i'm going with danny hodge the as we said earlier he can crush things and with his bare hands and destroy them so sorry jake go back to grandma and uh be grandma's boy you know what you know what jake hager's crush is three sports at this point so football pro wrestling Mixed martial arts. 
That's all I can say about that. Jake Hager, when you think about those stats alone, he's accomplished three different sports, excelled in three different sports. The guy is six foot seven, two 254 pounds, going up against Danny Hodge. Um, I think when it comes down to it, as much as Danny Hodge can crush apples with his bare hands, this and that, the fact is I think uh, Jake Hager is just too much of uh, an athlete uh, to uh, not go forward. So I got to go Danny – sorry, not Danny Hodge, but Jake Hager. And then Jonesy, your uh, tiebreaker here. Well, Hodge is going through because Hodge uh, was not in the Olympics once, but but twice. And the guy got um, a silver in the um, uh, 56 Olympics. Uh, and the guy at age 80, what he can do, to me, he he is he's just as much of an athlete. Uh, there's a freaking trophy named after him, a collegiate wrestler for uh, U of Oklahoma. His record is 46 and 0, 36 pins. Um, he was trained by Ed Strangler Lewis. I mean, my God, uh, boxing 17 and 0, uh, and then wrestling on top of that. Uh, it, and he won the Golden Gloves. I, I got to go with Danny Hodge um, since I'm going on stats on this one. Uh, Danny Hodge for me. There we go. So Danny Hodge versus Brock Lesnar in the semifinals. Going on the other half of the block, we have Junkasai taking on Minoru Suzuki. So downside for me being a new japan pro wrestling fan and loving suzuki you can't beat this kasai guy as far as the two of these guys go um there are guys still left that could beat kasai but unfortunately suzuki isn't crazy enough to be able to beat him and he doesn't have enough size to be able to beat him as well so suzuki as much as like i said when it came down to him and ken shamrock yeah for sure but when it comes down to jun kasai the fact is there's too much weaponry and Suzuki, as crazy as he is, yeah, there's no way in the world. So I got to Kazai is my answer. Kazai is moving on for me. Jonesy. And Kazai is moving on for me as well. Um, another guy that is, you know, Kazai can match up to is if you heard the, the wrestler Masada, who also has um, been uh, all over the place, is a, turn, uh, is a tournament fighter. Uh, those two guys, you want to see a great match. Just key in uh, Kazai and uh, Masada. The the match they do where there's um, it's it's the bare boards of the wrestling ring. They do some crazy shit in that match, and the hardware. These guys don't just you know go and say let's go get you know ladders and that out of hardware store. No, these guys go to the building material area where there's things that have spikes on them to pound in the wood to put two by fours and that together for Joyce's and these guys put them in each other's skulls. Um, uh, so June uh, <laughs> for me. There we go. And our final matchup of this round, Jonesy with Ron Simmons and Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Um, Sean, who did you vote? June Kasai. Okay. So three and a, Okay, so um, uh, the Doctor Death and Ron Simmons. Uh, it's not unpopularity. Um, if I imagine these two guys gone, I, I mean, I put my I put my money 
on um, Dr. Death if I want to be safe with my money. If I want to make money, then I would put it on Simmons because I think he would be the underdog going in this. Um, uh, Dr. Death is the one I pick. Uh, looking at these two myself, I am going to go with Ron Simmons uh, taking out Dr. Death, uh, Steve Williams. I only imagine what uh, Ron would have done if he'd been in Tough Enough. Chris Maloney? So you have a pure sport athlete, and when I think about uh, Ron Simmons and Dr. Death, I can easily relate Dr. Death to Vader as far as size goes. We know how that turned out. I think as far as Dr. Death goes, he wouldn't have the endurance to be able to compete with Ron Simmons. So i got to go Ron Simmons. So Kasai and Ron Simmons in the, uh, the final four here. There we go. So I'm just going to switch that over here. Dr. Death does look like a guy that would be breathing pretty heavy after, you know, running a mile. <laughs> yep. And so with a quick recap of the second round, Chris Maloney. It's amazing when you look at it, you got three pure athletes and then Jun Kasai. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But you have Brock Lesnar, Danny Hodge, and then uh, Jun Kasai taking on Ron Simmons. So uh, three of the four are just elite, pure sport athletes, just tough guys. And then Kasai is just, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm going to Google him after the show and find out what he was about. Okay, and so I get to start off with the first matchup of this round, and that's Brock Lesnar against Danny Hodge. Uh, yeah, you got Olympian who can crush things just by handing it to him, and you got Brock Lesnar who uh, tried football but uh, was an outstanding uh, amateur wrestler professional wrestler and uh, MMA fighter. I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar. So Jonesy, that is the end of Danny Hodge. And I tell you this, not to uh, not to go against anything that I've read about Danny Hodge. I mean, obviously you know about his stories and his name because of guys like Jim Ross and this and that. But when it comes down to it, when I look at the two of these guys, it's the size that honestly comes down to it. So you take a guy who is, uh, you know, 6'3", 286, 275, so to speak, uh, taking on Danny Hodge, who was basically weight class-wise uh, in the, I think I'd read 165 or 185 range. Um, you can't take away who he's trained by or any of the stuff that he did accomplish, but I think when it comes down to it, Brock Lesnar is just too big, just way too big for Danny Hodge. Jonesy? I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think uh, Danny Hodge would absolutely destroy Lesnar. But unfortunately, um, again, what type of fight would it be in seriousness? Uh, Hodge, I, I, I definitely think he would be able to hurt him. Uh, uh, but would he be able to knock him unconscious? Uh I would, I would, I would again. It, for me, it's it, now. I kind of have to uh, vote as if I'm betting. Um, so I would, I would, yeah, I would go. I would get Lesnar to three and on that. Oh, there we go. I just change that and uh, yeah, correct that. If you're on our scoreboard and our final matchup of the semifinals, Junkasai versus. 
Ron Simmons, Chris Maloney. In this case, I got to go the opposite. So even though Junka size lists 194 pounds, it's the craziness factor that goes along with him. So I, I think uh, I don't think Ron Simmons would honestly stand a chance. And I, I can't even think besides the uh, uh, you know the the uh, fake doors and the beer cans. I can't think of a, a realistic hardcore match Simmons has actually been in outside of the APA. I'm talking like Ron Simmons. So I would say uh, uh, Jin Kasai for sure. Yeah, if you know, I think if Ron Simmons could get a hold of the crazy monkey, uh, he would just try to like like break his neck or something. He he, Ron Simmons would have to go into this like his life does depend on it. Uh, does he want? I think he would pull out of the match personally, um, and he would just you know I don't think it would hurt his ego to do so. He just said, "Damn, I ain't going in that." Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Junkasai, but I, I, if there's a guy that could beat him, he'd be one of them. Just because Ron Simmons, the look on him, the how big he was in college, uh, and how well toned he was, uh, and he was a true athlete. I, I think he'd have a he'd have a chance against the guy. Uh, now Junkasai might look like Glenn from AMC after that match but uh yeah the junkasai man it is a clean sweep for junkasai over uh, ron simmons making our finals crazy brock lesnar taking on junkasai so just looking at this guys anything that stands out that you're surprised somebody didn't uh advance further than they did yeah, Haku. <laughs> when, it comes, when it comes down to it, I was just thinking what it would have been like if it was the finals because obviously the brackets would have lined up properly. Brock Lesnar versus Haku. That would have been tough. It would have been, yeah. But somehow Junkasai has made it all the way through to uh, the final round. So Do you see that? What's on the screen right now too? So you got uh, Junkasai 303030. Yep. So that's uh, that's even beats up Brock Lesnar on the top there because he was two one two one and then three zero. So very right. interesting tournament here. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen, Josie? Your thoughts before we head into the finals? Um, is right now and my thoughts are on June Kasai against Brock Lesnar because how it's hard to believe that uh, if you take June Kasai and you just have him stand beside Brock Lesnar. It's it's like Andre the Giant Hulk Hogan as far as what you're looking at. Mind you, a, a Andre the Giant that's a little more like like uh, a big show looking giant. Um, so it, it's gonna for me it's gonna be tough. I I, I love Jun Kasai. And, uh, he he he's a tough bastard. Well, you get to open up our uh, thought process on this. So where, where are you seeing it going? Again, it's um, the match that they're in. If this is to the death, um, if there's no weapons, Kazai uh, would definitely be at a disadvantage. Um uh, Now, if you t- and again, since we're talking toughest, the toughest out of the two, I I would have to go with June Kasai. 
as far as we're talking, what he can take, the blows that he can take, and the fact he's been doing this for like oh, oh, now over 20 years and what his body looks like. And once you start watching the matches that he's done, he's taken many, many Mick Foley off the cage type type moves that that one that's in that tag team match that is just absolutely fucking crazy because um, of the other guys that are in it. Oh, there's, there's everything in this match. They, the fire, like barbed wire, it, it's all in there. They use cars. It's, it's insane. And Japanese tables. Folks, Japanese tables are completely different than American tables. Uh, they are uh, much harder to break. Uh, and um, so I'm going by tough. I got to go with Jun Kasai. He may not win in a cage match against the guy, but as far as toughest human being, toughest guy that's been in this business, then I got to go with him. Okay. So uh, just quickly looking at our timing as well, because AEW or NXT are going to start. uh, So we do have some time to finish this up and do a couple plugs. Looking at these two against each other, I look at the fact that some of Brock Lesnar's best matches lately have been against smaller guys as opposed to bigger guys. But then also what he did with Undertaker. There was that moment that they were against each other and they both sat up and were both looking at each other, laughing their head off. Uh, and that's a moment that WD likes to play. So imagine Jun Kasai hitting him with something, uh, some of the plunder that he likes to use and Brock just looking at him and laughing his head off. I'm going to send this to a tiebreaker to Maloney with picking Brock Lesnar. So I'm going to say this. It's uh, one of those things where if all of a sudden he gets his hands on you, you're toast. And I was just looking through the match listings uh, of Jin uh, Kasai, and he's fought guys like El Generico, uh, otherwise known as Sami Zayn. He's fought guys like Loki. Uh, He's been involved in matches with regards to – what was the other big name I saw here? Um – Sammy Callahan was the other name as, as well. So Sammy Callahan had actually beat him in a hardcore match. So I'm thinking this, if a guy like Sammy Callahan could beat a guy like Jin Kasai, the fact is Brock Lesnar, I agree with you to a point. If uh, you know the guy was hitting Brock Lesnar with weapons, Brock would just kind of probably look at him and laugh. Uh, but Brock has made a, a showing of his career putting over big guys, small guys, medium-sized guys. So um, I think Kasai would have a, a chance, but I think when it all comes down to it, Brock Lesnar is just way too big and strong. And I mean, you could hit him with a light tube and he'd probably, you know, eat it up and spit it out at you and be like, yep, all right, you're done. <laughs> so Brock Lesnar. There we go. And well, I disagree winner. with that because this is toughest. Now who's going to win a match? Toughest. Yeah, it's but I'm talking I'm the toughest, toughest person toughest. to win a match. Then. This is toughest. Not who is going to survive. Not who. Not, not again. Not who's going to win a match. Who's going to survive the night? Here's a question yeah, for you. Brock then Brock Lesnar would probably laugh at him and keep going and beat Brock, the hell out of him. Jonesy, if Brock Lesnar picks up a light tube and Jun Kasai picks up a light tube and they're both swinging at you, who's do you want to miss? Uh, honestly, Jun Kasai. You want him to miss? No, actually, I'd want I'd want Brock to miss because Brock, um, yeah, he would scare me more because again, he'd be he'd be hitting you to kill you. Where Jun Kasai is trying not to kill you because he's got to work with you later. 
Yeah, Brock would be Brock one and be, done. I'm fine with being Brock being the the, the winner, but I, I was going by mental toughness, physical toughness. I Kasai is a freak. He really is. You look at his back and stuff like that, but he's a great freak. Those those scars, that's how much that guy loves what he does, that he's willing to do that stuff. But then when you think about the training that goes into an MMA fight and the uh, the endurance and the uh, uh, all that sort of stuff as well, I think that's, to me, is where Brock Lesnar... Yeah, Lesnar's but does, Brock, Le- does Brock, Brock Lesnar go out and have a big match and then go work the next day? No, he doesn't. He goes. I'm. I got like a few months off now. He tells what Sable tells him. He does what Sable tells him to do. <laughs> okay, so guys, thank you for once again uh, joining us for Fantasy Warfare Tournament, trying to figure out who the toughest guy is. Now we left out a whole lot of people that could have been contenders. There's some people who might not have should have been in here, but that allows us to do another one another time which will be in the new year. But until then, we are going to check out here next week or actually all month of November. It's Survivor Series month, uh, putting together uh, 32 of the greatest four-man teams and 32 of the greatest five-man teams. You're not going to see teams like uh, the Doinks. You're not going to see uh, teams like Shawn Michaels and his Knights or anything like that. We're going to find the best teams I went through uh, all the matchups that, that happened, taking out uh, the comedy bits, taking out the uh, 20 tag teams uh, that were involved, uh, taking out the women's. There were still about 130 different teams to look at. We're going to narrow it down to 64 and uh, find out who would win the battle of all these titles uh, teams. You know, some of them got eliminated, but if they were going against another team, who would they go against? Uh, you got the visionaries who all went through. You got Shawn Michaels, uh, the Hardy Boys, Triple H, and uh, CM Punk who all went through. Would they still go all the way through against Hulk Hogan's team from 1987? Who knows what the matchups are going to be? We're going to run them down for uh, the month of November. And that's what uh, Fantasy Warfare Tournament is bringing to you. Before we leave, Chris Maloney, do you have anything you would like to plug? I love the fact that they got professional bull riding uh, preluding AEW on TSN here. Oh, there <laughs> I, you almost, go. I almost want to watch this for two hours. But yeah, no, <laughs> CW, uh, CWOnline.ca. Maybe I'll talk about professional bull riding on, on Friday's show. <laughs> there we go. And Maloney, uh, Chris Jones, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we leave? Um, we, we will be doing a, uh, survivor series trivia, uh, um, portion on one of the shows. Uh, and, uh, so if Maloney wants to take part in that, anyone else that wants to take part in it, I can, uh, I can fit up to four people in a game. I can do two games, um, which would be each game is 40 questions. So 80 questions is fine. Um, but it will be mostly survivor series, uh, questions, uh, in, the uh, game. As long as we don't do it on a night where there's bull riding taking place, I'm good. There we go. Well, no, that's when I like doing it because I I can't stand bull riding. Those those poor cowboys. That is, that is is abuse to humans. Putting them on like like they talk about abuse to animals. No, that's abuse to humans. There we go. So 
Uh, that is uh, what's coming up over the next little while. November is going to be uh, all about Survivor Series. And tomorrow night, you can join me and Chris Maloney, possibly with an announcement. We'll talk about that later. He has another announcement on his show, uh, CWN, on Friday. Uh, Jonesy will do- join us with This Week in History. We'll see if Steven's available uh, to join us with views and opinions. Uh, so Scumbags Wrestling Podcast number 125 happening at 8 p.m. on Twitch, YouTube, and uh, Facebook. Down below, you can see all how you can get in touch with us, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. Facebook, uh, find our page. Our group is very interactive and very responsive. Twitter, Scumbags Canada. Instagram, Scumbags Wrestling. And you can just get in touch with us with any of your suggestions. So until then, have a great And don't night. forget... Tomorrow is the Halloween edition of This Week in History of Wrestling. Oh, probably some Halloween dress habit. up. Don't forget to dress up now. Halloween I better see some decorations behind you. There we go. So thank you once again, everybody, for joining us. Enjoy AEW if you're in Canada and not able to watch NXT or if wherever you are choosing between the two. Enjoy your show. Have a good night.